It's time for Blessed to Play on EWTN Radio, uncovering the role that faith plays in the lives of sports professionals from around the country. And now, here's your host, Ron Meyer. Fire score! My guest today is Amy Sego. She's one of the longest tenured coaches at the College of Charleston. Amy's in her 20th season at the helm of the Cougar track and field and cross-country programs. She was a track and field All-American at Allegheny College and served two years as a team captain and she earned spots at the NC2A cross-country championships on two occasions. Was a six-time NCAA qualifier in track and field. And she also set the North Coast Athletic Conference record in the 800 and won 11 titles overall. Quite the track and field athlete and coach. I'd like to welcome Amy Sego to Blessed to Play. Amy, it's great to have you on. Thanks so much for having me here. So I start off every show because obviously there's a passion in you for running. And uh, I'm just going out on a limb that this probably took place when you were very young. But talk about how you just fell in love with running in general. Yes. So I do have my uncle to thank for that. Um, so I was about 11 or 12 when he introduced me to the sport. And um, he said, you know, it, it was one of those things for him. He wanted me to be able to to not have to, um, I guess, be at the mercy of politics of, of other sports um, and to be able to kind of be the master of my own destiny in, in the sense of um, however much effort I put in, I can get out of it. And I think that's a great thing about the sport of running is it does reward those who work hard. Um, and so at the age of about 12, he signed me up for my first road race and I started, started running with him and then was able to get involved in my middle school and then eventually started running cross country and track and field at my high school in Canton, Ohio. And, uh, I guess the rest is history. I've had some really great coaches along the way that have helped in, you know, continue to light that passion and it's it's been great fun for me for a large part of my life well i'm going to test your memory here how many pairs of running shoes have you gone through oh boy that's a good one you know my <laughs> my favorites are the the nike pegasus and uh that those were the very early iterations so fortunately they they number them so it's probably been <laughs> way more than i can count but i think they're up to number 40 or something in, the, in their line <laughs> so in high school i mean uh you know, there's other sports you could play. Were you solely a runner or did you venture into other sports as well? Well, I think like most runners, I did dabble in some other sports and sometimes it's, you know, a lot of athletes on my team were cut from other sports and then it's not entirely different in my story. I was a basketball player. I was pretty short when I was in middle school. So, you know, my teammates would pick the ball up and I'd still be on the other end of the ball. And so, uh, you know, I played, played basketball and, and, uh, I got, got, beat around a little bit there i played softball and really enjoyed that um but but running certainly is my love yeah i bet you the coaches are saying this girl could run i want her out for the respective sport i need, need some i need some speed so many baskets but she can run <laughs> <laughs> but to play ron meyer chatting today with amy sego she's currently coaching at the college of charleston uh, both the track and field and cross-country programs so after high school in Canton, Ohio, you decide to take your talents to the next level, and you chose, I believe, the uh, Allegheny College. Tell us about that, why you chose Allegheny, where you flourished on the track. Well, Allegheny was a great school for me, and uh, it's Division three, so I think that was really a good good way for me to grow and develop. I was a very shy kid and uh, was 
fortunate to have some great coaches at Allegheny and what drew me there was the education and I wanted a, a top-notch education where I could be challenged and it really enabled me to have the best of both worlds where I could still continue in my athletics and focus on my studies, but, but we be well balanced. So that was nice. Two-time All-American at Allegheny, and you were the team captain, and you ran cross-country. You talk about your abilities. They just seemed to flourish when you were at Allegheny. Did that take a lot of hard work and perseverance, or you're just one of these naturally gifted runners who could just go on the track or go on a cross-country course and just conquer it? No, I would definitely say hard hard work was the, the secret to my success there, and I think, um, you know, like anything, and, and as I mentioned, I, I was a shy kid, so I think as confidence grows, um, confidence in yourself and your abilities continue to grow, and so, um, you know, that, that was the right size atmosphere for me to be able to have my coaches pay attention and have, have my teammates that I could gel with and, and unite with, and I think being able to help each other really is something that I learned was a a a positive for me is that if, if I focused too much on myself, I would get nervous about competition or, or whatever. And, and so being able to um, connect with my teammates made a huge difference for me. And I, I found that that in my, from a coaching standpoint, that's really something that I've tried to instill in my athletes is, you know, if you take the focus off of you and you can put it onto other people that usually helps you in your own growth space. And I, I was fortunate where, um, you know, just, the coaches that helped helped me develop what I needed from, you know, giving me the coaching that I needed to continue to develop, but more so than the nuts and bolts and the technical aspect of it, it was just giving me the time and the space to mature and grow and learn how to be confident and, mm-hmm. and how to trust in, in myself and what I was able to, to do. Well, I want to piggyback on that theme of helping others because you wound up going to Pittsburgh State uh, to attain your master's degree in physical education. Is this where the coaching bug took place? Because now you have obviously an area of expertise and you did quite well running and you have a lot to pass on to runners at the collegiate level. But when did the coaching bug uh, come to fruition for you? Yeah, so it really did start when I was at Allegheny and I had a teammate who was a year older than me and she came back to campus and um, she had been a graduate assistant at a a small school in New Jersey at the time um, and was coaching at the collegiate level and she shared a little bit of her experience with me that she was able to be a graduate assistant where she had her master's degree paid for in return for giving back and coaching and teaching some classes and so at the time I didn't I was an English major I didn't entirely know what I was going to do with that and it for me, I couldn't think of leaving the sport of track and field. I just loved it so much. And so it seemed like a natural path for me. And I was very fortunate to connect with Russ Jewett, who was the longtime coach at Pittsburgh State there. Uh, he was a decathlete himself, but was a distance coach uh, and built quite the program. They actually ended up winning the national championship on the women's side. And then again, on the men's side, um, years after I'd left, but I have him to thank for just teaching me so much from the coaching aspect and he had very good student athletes and it was a wonderful experience and I was able to connect with the young ladies on the team at the time who um you know there were there were a couple really phenomenal all all were very good people but um some phenomenal individuals in terms of what they accomplished on the track and 
my second year as a graduate assistant there, uh, I got to be involved with coaching the national runner-up in the steeplechase, and that was a, a new sport at the time for women where the steeplechase was added. And I really am thankful forever for, for Coach Jewett just getting me started in coaching. And I'll never forget one of the stories when I, Jeanette Mott was her name, the, the young lady who won the – she ended up going to win the national championship the year after I left, but she was runner-up that, that um, year I was with her. And – I remember coming back from practice one day and coach, she just, you know, she's five, two, she's having a hard time hurdling. I'm not sure she can get this. And, and he looked at me and he said, she can't get it yet. It's your job to, <laughs> to keep pushing her until she can. And so uh, that really stuck with me is that the power of yet and don't ever write anybody off and keep, keep pushing them because people are, can achieve lots when, when they're given the ability to, to uh, have somebody that trusts in them and someone that pushes them and helps them build their confidence. Chatting with Amy Sego, she's the uh, head track and field coach, also cross-country coach at the University of Charleston. In this progression, getting to the College of Charleston, I misspoke the College of Charleston. Let's get that straight. You know, you stopped, you made a pit stop at Washington and Lee for two years, and now you're in a D1 program and you're bringing your own core philosophies here, your own motivational skills. Uh, recruiting is now huge at the D1 level, but talking about making that jump up to the College of Charleston. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, that was something for me. Um, I always knew Division Three to be a an atmosphere where athletes were doing it for the love of the sport. And so I was a little nervous of moving to division one because I didn't want it to be such a business atmosphere that you're losing the love and why people are there. And so the college of Charleston was a, a good fit for me. And what I've always said as, as a coach is I would not want to be at a school where I wouldn't have wanted to be a student athlete myself. And I think the college ha- has the best of both worlds and it's a really good balance. And it's something that, um, you know, I, I feel like I grew into it. And I'm not sure if anyone is ever really ready for any job until they're in the midst of it. And so at the time, the program had just begun. So I took over a year after the track and field team started. And have this is my 20th year. And up until last year, we did not even have a track that, that was our own that we could hmm. practice at. We would have to, you know, borrow high school tracks and another university that was 30 minutes down the road. And so the, the growing pains of kind of being the underdog um, was, was something that I've always, I, I, I like that atmosphere of, you know, helping to achieve when other people think that you can't. And so from a division one level, there's, there's a lot going on at the division one level. And I had to learn quickly about just all of it and, how important recruiting is and, and all of that. But I think it goes down to the bare bones of that blue collar mentality that if you're willing to work hard, you can achieve a lot. All right, let's take a break. On the other side, we'll talk about running the good race, why that saying has dual meaning to our guest today, Amy Sego. She's at the helm of the College of Charleston track and field and cross country programs. Keep it right here. You're listening to Blessed to Play. Sixty seconds with Archbishop Fulton J. Sheen. In the history of the world, only one tomb has ever had a rock roll before it, 
and a soldier set to guard it to prevent a dead man from rising. And that was the tomb of Christ on the evening of the Friday called good. What spectacle could be more ridiculous than armed soldiers keeping their eyes on a corpse? But sentinels were set, lest the dead walk, the silent speak, and the pierced heart quicken to the throb of life. They said he was dead. They knew he was dead. They said he would never rise again. And yet they watched. They remembered that he called his body the temple, and that in three days after they had destroyed it, he would rebuild it. The people you know and trust are on EWTN. The featured item on EWTNRC.com this month is the Our Lady of Lourdes statue. Each unique statue is made in Colombia and hand-painted by women providing for their families. It's a holy reminder of the Blessed Mother's apparitions to St. Bernadette, where she proclaimed, I am the Immaculate Conception. To order, go to EWTNRC.com and search for item number 509. This is at the College of Charleston right now. In fact, she's uh, entering her 20th season at the helm of the track and field and cross-country programs. We talked about her career in coaching, also running at Allegheny College where she was an All-American. But, you know, I kind of teased before we went to the break about running the good race, and obviously this is a scripture that St. Paul has used. And uh, But you could identify that with, in several ways as a coach as well. But I know your Catholic faith is important to you and you have a passion for it. But so tell us, give us some background about being raised Catholic and ultimately making it your own. Yes. So, boy, huh, faith is the most important thing to me. And I was very blessed in that uh, my mother is Catholic and my dad is, is not Catholic. He's a non-practicing Christian, I'd say. Um, and so really it was, was on my mom to get me to CCD classes when I was a young child, and um, I just, I, I've been forever thankful because there's so much that I've learned from my faith, and, and when times are tough, um, just just learning to trust, um, and so, you know, from, from my family standpoint, my mom was Catholic because my grandfather was, um, and my, my grandfather was Catholic because my great-grandmother was, and so it, it, it's kind of funny sometimes how that works, but when it becomes more than just something that's passed down to you when, you, when you have that realization in your life that this is who you are because this is truly what you believe, and, you know, I, I think that's one of the great things about the Catholic faith is it's always, you know, we are asked to seek the truth, and so I went through periods in my life when I... I was real involved in going to Mass, and then when I went to college, sometimes, you know, I'd get busy or I'd have to study for a test, so I, I admittedly didn't go every week, but um, back when I was in grad school, it became much more important to me, and I realized um, just that the foundation of the faith is the best thing we can ever have in this life, because that's our relationship with Jesus is really what it's all about, and um, I was able to get involved in teaching some 
classes when I was in Kansas in grad school, um, some catechism classes, and then just as time went on and throughout my life, um, you know, my time when I was an assistant coach in Virginia, um, that's really when I, I think I started to grow and mature in my faith, and um, when I had some some tough times with some with, with a health diagnosis, um, really just leaning in on God, what what do you want from me here, and what what are you trying to do? And I, I think um, as time has gone on, I can look back at my life and see when there have been tough times that you know Jesus has always been with me, and and God has always been there preparing me for the next step. And, um, that's, I mean, it's remarkable looking back as to how much, um, my heart's been changed because I've tried to be obedient to to where God is placing me. Blessed to play Ron Meyer once again, chatting with Amy Sego. She's coaching track and field and cross country at the College of Charleston, the Cougars. And, uh, something special, special happened to you while you were at the College of Charleston. You were at a Theology on Tap, and for those of you listening who are not familiar, it's uh, a group of people coming together in a bar, have a beer or so, and uh, get a spiritual talk on top of that. So this goes on in different places throughout the country, but you met your husband at a Theology on Tap in downtown Charleston. Talk about that. I did, yes. So um, at the time, the Theology on Tap, they were meeting at the Knights of Columbus building, which is right, right smack downtown Charleston, across from Marion Square, um, and we had a young adults group that was connecting there, and George was uh, the bartender that, that night, um, representing the Knights of Columbus, and he probably was the youngest knight by 20 years or so, <laughs> so we still kind of laugh about that, um, but that that was wonderful, because I kept running into him that night, or I mean, throughout the summer, and, uh, you know, one thing led to another, and sure enough, we ended up getting married, but... Um, that that building of the Knights of Columbus has had a very special place in our heart as it is the epicenter of Turkey Day Run. Uh, so we've had a lot of opportunities to give back and to be together in the community and, and try to outreach. Um, and, yeah, it, it's kind of funny to think about how, how things happen, but meeting George has led to, you know, the, the best things in my life. Definitely. Well, during your first year of marriage, that the Catholicism was actually very prominent in your relationship, and you went to Rome and the Vatican, and I believe you had a general audience to see Pope Benedict, and uh, that was a special trip for you and George, wasn't it? That was a special trip, and I mean, I think you learn a lot about someone in your first year of marriage, and for us, we were in Europe for about three weeks, and kind of staying at some hostels and such, and uh you definitely learn learn a lot about each other, uh, but the ability to go to St. Peter's and really see see the home of the, the Catholic faith was a cool experience. And then on top of that, um, my mother's side of the family is from Slovenia, and mm-hmm. so we actually looked up where my great-grandmother was from, and we had the opportunity to meet some relatives of mine, and uh, they did not speak English, so, so that was one thing where... There was a translator uh, who was a local teacher who came and, and translated for us. But meeting my mother's cousin was like looking at my grandfather. It was it was really phenomenal to see the eyes are the same in, in my family and look just like my mother. And um, you know they they shared with us a little bit of information about my grandmother. And I knew that there was a 
special church in Slovenia that she used to attend, and I would see pictures in my great, well, in my grandmother's house of this church in Lake Bled, Slovenia. And so George and I, while we were there, made it a point to, we stayed at a hostel right next to where that church was. And that was such a cool experience because obviously, you know, we come to, any one of us comes to the faith any any number of ways. And for me, it was something that was passed down from my family and to mm-hmm. see where my great grandmother started her faith formation and and that wonderful church was just such a special blessing and to be thankful of um, just the moment that you get to where um, somebody shared their faith and so that that meant that I had an opportunity to to grow in my faith because she was very strong in hers and and it passed it along in her family and it's just interesting to think about how how life can work that way and it one thing leads to another and God, God plants things in, in, in our hearts and in our life in very special paths and in special ways. And so that, that was uh, a real cool experience for sure. Well, you mentioned your grandmother being a devout Catholic and passing that faith down to you by her example and perhaps words as well. But uh, you had an, uh, went to a summer camp, a running camp, I should, that helped you or inspired you to share your faith more openly. Yeah, so it was at Montreat College in North Carolina in Black Mountain. And, um, you know, I mean, I, I work at a, a public university, and so um, being real overt and, and sharing about your faith isn't always something that's, that's on the front lines. And so um, being able to be immersed into a community where that is so much a fabric of their school and, and their athletics, they're able to weave that in. Um, and, and that was very, in, just, just inspiring to me to see how, um, how they're able to openly discuss it. And it, I, I had a good experience with my team this past year where, you know, anyone that, that wants to speak and wants to talk about God and Jesus, and I'm, I'm always very excited to do that, but I don't ever want to push that push that on anyone, um, because it's a, a journey that, you know, God plants the seed and we're not always there to see how, how the, um, seed matures, but the experience at Montreat helped me to understand that, you know, I, there are times that I can be a little more courageous in, in what I share. And, um, it, it caused me to reflect a little bit on the, the previous year and my experience with my team and, I had a young lady that was a graduate student for me, so she she was with me for four years. And there was a, a moment in her career when I think it was her sophomore year, she was really struggling and was was having a tough time. And I remember praying a lot about, you know, how can I help guide her? What can I do? And we can talk about the X's and O's and the strategy and figuring out from a training component what needs to happen. But uh, at the time, I really just felt this urge that. I needed to share more with her and that um, talking to her about faith was something that was just on my heart that I, I, I wasn't sure where it was going to go. And honestly, I was pretty nervous about, about doing that. Um, but the beauty is that when she graduated from, from grad school last year, um, she had handed me in that conversation, um, we had had an assistant coach who had, he had a quote that, that he would 
say to some of the athletes, and he would say, out of acorns, mighty oaks grow, and he would hand them a little acorn. Well, that particular day that I'd had a conversation with the young lady, I'd gone for a run that morning before a meet, and I found a, a pretty large-sized acorn. And uh, as I was talking to her and what I thought that, you know, God had a specific plan, and we didn't know why she was struggling, but there was a reason. And, um, you know, I knew she was someone that was a faithful Christian, and that she just had to continue to keep the faith. Um, so I, I handed her that acorn. And then when she graduated two and a half years later, um, she handed me that acorn back and she said, you know, I've been carrying this in my pocket for two and a half years and I'll never forget that conversation. And for me, that was very moving and touching because I wasn't even sure if I should have that conversation and, or, or be courageous enough to say anything. And I'm glad that I did. And, I, and it was clear to me that, God was planting that seed, and we don't always know where we're going with the seed, but He does. So, yeah, that's a neat story. And talk about planting the seed. You have uh, now girls ranging in age from 22 months to 11 years, and we only have a little bit over two minutes remaining. Any uh, future runners that you could see in that pack, there, Amy? Yes, I, I think that might be possible. I, I never want to push them to do what I love. I, I want them to find what they love, but. Oh boy, having uh, having four children has changed me for the better, without a doubt. And I think you learn a lot about yourself and how selfish you can be until you really have to care for other people. And um, they've taught me more about my faith than than anybody, I would say. And they're a true blessing, and I'm very thankful every day for for them and and what they're teaching me in the process of raising them. Well, if you're uh, still coaching and you're the recruiting process uh, right there in your house, you might want to recruit uh, somebody close to you to come to the College of Charleston. Well, Amy Siegel has been my guest doing a great job right there at the College of Charleston coaching the Cougars, uh, entering her 20th season. How about that? Both the track and field and cross country programs, but uh, Amy, it was great getting to know you and uh, about your faith and how you incorporate that in your personal life and your coaching and the story behind that. That testimony uh, was really great to hear. I think it'll resonate with our listeners for sure. Thanks so much for coming on. Blessed to play. Thanks so much, and thanks for what you do. Hey, blessed to play fans, check us out on the web at blessedtoplay.com. That's blessed the number two play. Com. You can like us on Facebook and hit us up on Twitter at Blessed to Play. For Amy Sego, I'm Ron Meyer. We'll catch you next time right here on Blessed to Play. You've been listening to Blessed to Play with host Ron Meyer on the EWTN Global Catholic Network. If you have a question or comment about today's show, feel free to email us at info at blessedtoplay.com. That's blessed, the number two, play.com. You can also connect with the show on the web at www.blessedtoplay.com. Again, that's blessed, the number two, play.com. Join us again next time for Blessed to Play on the EWTN Global Catholic Network.